Well, the New York Giants stayed on the West Coast this week to take on the San Francisco 49ers as 10-point underdogs. The total is going to be 44 and a half. And this is Showdown Coverage brought to you by SharpFootballAnalysis.com. Before we head over to DraftKings, uh, we want to remind you, you can get access to all of our fantasy content, including insights, props, worksheets, and more by taking advantage of our fantasy packages available on the Sharp Football website. Right now, we're running a special for our listeners, code ANGLES, for 15% off any fantasy package. The 15% discount also extends to every package site-wide, including our props package that went 13-5 and last week. Check it out in the podcast description or use the code ANGLES during checkout on the purchase page of the Sharp Football website. Let's head over to DraftKings. All right, this is going to be an interesting one. This is my least favorite type of slate. The reason why is because with the 10-point over-under and a team as dominant as the 49ers are, also a team that uh, not only didn't look great for one and a half quarters of this season, but they are without their best player in Saquon Barkley. Uh, it's pretty safe to say that the 49ers are going to cover that 10-point spread, which means that we have a pretty condensed uh, player pool. There's not a lot of viable builds going on here, so we're going to have to work a little bit harder to get contrarian with these builds. That starts with, with Christian McCaffrey at the top. It makes it especially difficult because his projection is so much higher than the rest of the player pool that it's going to be a difficult, you're going to have a difficult time taking a stand against Christian McCaffrey at captain, even at 3,200, which is uh, the most expensive I remember a player being. Maybe um, a little short-sighted since there was a long offseason, but I don't remember a $13,000 player last year. Um, I have seen it in years past, but I don't think recently so. Uh, it, it he's worth it. I mean, he has uh, over two over 20 touches in each game, actually uh, averaging 23 touches in the first two games. And not only that, but he played 100 percent of the snaps last week, which is obviously unheard of in most cases. Uh, that's probably not going to continue moving forward, which is a little bit of a, a teaser for the Elijah Mitchell section. But I mean, Christian McCaffrey at any price is um, is going to be fair. So we're going to probably go with him at captain, even if he's going to be rostered at a really high rate. And we're just going to have to use other methods for getting contrarian with our builds with Christian McCaffrey at captain. Saquon Barkley is out. Brian Dayball tried to come out and give us a pump fake and say, I don't know. I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't count him out. You're not going to play Saquon Barkley on a short week after a uh, ankle sprain whether low or high. So Saquon Barkley was always going to be out, but uh, he does have the nice, convenient, big old out next to him, which leads us to Daniel Jones at 10,200. Daniel Jones is one of the only quarterbacks that I will be willing to play by themselves unstacked uh, because of his rushing ability. So he's rushed for um, about 14, 15 rushes, I believe, in the first two games. And with Saquon Barkley out of the lineup, that's only going to be higher. So uh, with the pricing factors into it a little bit, but uh, with the pricing and uh, Daniel Jones litany of average receivers, um, it makes it okay to play him by by himself if you want to, even in a, even in 49ers on slots with the defense. So I won't be playing any Daniel Jones at captain because I will not play a quarterback at captain if I'm not willing to stack them. And as we'll get to in a moment, I'm just not really super pumped about any of the um, – Giants receiver, so I'm definitely not going to play him with two, and I'm not going to single stack my quarterback in the 
in the captain usually either. Uh, so we're just not going to have a giant at captain probably for the first time this year. Uh, that's going to put us on Brock Purdy. 9,400 had a fantastic fantasy out outing in week one. And then in week two reminded you what uh, a Kyle Shanahan offense can look like. So uh, Brock Purdy is going to have a lot of really good uh, real life games this season and very frustrating fantasy outings at the same time, which is what happened last week. I think he threw for about 220 yards, threw for no touchdowns, no interceptions, very average game, but the team did very well. And that's probably what we're going to see going forward. Brock Purdy is going to be fine. Sometimes he's going to hit the touchdown luck and it's going to look great like he did with two touchdowns to Ayuk in week one. Um, but it's not somebody that you're going to be overly excited about. Fortunately, on this slate, that doesn't really matter because Brock Purdy is only 9,400. He has that going for him. Also, you typically want to use the quarterback from your onslaught in your lineup. It doesn't have to be in captain. But um, you usually want them included in your lineup if you're going to run a five by one onslaught. I did I did include in the article on SharpFootballAnalysis.com that I wrote for this slate that this is one of the only slates that you'll see this season where I'm comfortable doing a four by two or a five by one without including a quarterback from either team, and that is just because uh, Debo Samuel and presumably Brandon Ayuk, if he plays, uh, can easily produce the same as as Brock Purdy and if they don't if they don't hit the over in the game I know it sounds counterintuitive but it's actually easier for the quarterback to find himself in the um, winning lineups if the game is lower scoring in a lot of cases you'll see it with Patrick Mahomes often I mean you already saw it this season you saw it with Jalen Hurts Jalen Hurts had a good game and he didn't finish in the optimal lineup a, a week ago and it's because when when the game is a high score, it's easier for position players to score than quarterbacks, and that pushes them out of the optimal lineup. And you end up getting to the end of the slate being overweight on Jalen Hurts as I was in 150 max and, and not having the best day ever um, because Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown had pretty big games and DeAndre Swift had an incredible game, and it, there's just no room for them. So, and then, Chris, and then uh, Kirk Cousins, you know, playing from behind. So there's a lot of outs to where your quarterback – does not finish in the winning lineup when there's a very high scoring game. So don't be afraid to have a lineup without either Brock Purdy or Daniel Jones. It's rare that this happens, but on a slate like this, um, you do have to be unique somehow because the, the, the builds are going to be very condensed leads us to Debo Samuel. We Debo Samuel and George Kittle fall into the same category where it's a, uh, we're going into week three, so we don't have a whole ton of information. We do know, based off of their careers, what they are capable of, the ceilings that they're capable of having. Both players can be 30-plus uh, point players. And in a, in a case like this, you look at the over-under, you look at who's at home, you look at the 49ers where they're at right now three games into the season and where the Giants are three games into their season, and you just put 49ers into your lineups. It's it's not going to feel amazing once you have five 49ers in your lineup, but it's just historically speaking, if the game goes as we project it to be, and honestly, I think the spread could be just a touch higher, then it's going to be littered with 49ers. So we're going to put as many 49ers into the lineup as we can possibly get. So that puts us on Debo Samuel and George Kittle. Fortunately, George Kittle is 6,600. They've gotten pretty much the same volume through the first two weeks. Um, I will lean to Debo Samuel a little bit more. He's been a tough projection since Christian McCaffrey has taken over um, or, or joined the team just because um, the – 
usage has been sporadic with Debo Samuel, but I do still believe that he's one of the most valuable weapons. He's being paid as one of their most valuable weapons. So he's someone, like I wrote in the article with Debo Samuel and George Kittle, they're the type of players that when you get a slate like this and it's a 10-point spread, you just play them. And eventually they're going to pay you back for whatever slates that you that you lost on. So with, we're fortunate in that it's very affordable to stack the 49ers. Um, that leads us to Brandon Ayuk, who is injured but expected to play. He only played 53% of the snaps last week because he injured his shoulder in the game. He was limited this week, but he's being projected in. So with Brandon Ayuk in, that's just another weapon. Looked really great in the first week and then kind of, I guess, regressed to the mean in week two where he was just kind of used – uh, had the same volume as Kittle and and Debo Samuel. So it, it really looked like Ayuk was going to be the standout there in the first week. And then in the second week, it's just that's gonna that's a Kyle Shanahan offense. It's just going to be um someone's going to be the shining light each week. And if Kyle Shanahan has it his way, it's going to be a different person each week. Christian McCaffrey's a little bit different of a story. He shines a little brighter than everybody in the entire NFL. But Outside of Christian McCaffrey, you're going to see uh, a litany of people produce very, very good fantasy outings for the 49ers. So I would recommend uh, in 20 max and 150 max just getting as many combinations of Debo Samuel, Brandon IU, Christian McCaffrey, Brock Purdy, George Kittle as you can. Unfortunately, we have to get over to the other side of the ball, but we do have Darren Waller at 7,400 who falls right between Matt Breda, who I believe will be popular because um, Saquon Barkley played 97% of the snaps or something like that last week. Maybe he was 100% or as well. I actually forget, but definitely over 95% of the snaps last week. And now Matt Breda is coming in with only uh, Brightwell as his competition for touches. So Braid is going to be projected for a good 15, 16 touches just because it's a short week and there's no time for them to get somebody else involved. And then he's right behind Brandon Ayuk. So Darren Waller falls in a nice range where I wrote up in the article that I actually like playing Daniel Jones and Darren Waller stacked in the flex in a four by two with the 49ers. And we'll we'll do that in a minute when we build lineups um, because where they're priced uh, Daniel Jones priced at 10,200 is probably going to be projected for around the same amount of points as um, Debo Samuel or something like that. Maybe Brandon Ayuk since he's probably going to be active and then Darren Waller is not going to be projected anywhere near the 49ers that he's priced next to. So you're going to be able to get Darren Waller, who I do believe is the most talented receiver for the giants at uh very, very low roster percentage and a reasonable price at 7400 So he's really the only receiver that I feel you really gain an edge by playing Daniel Jones and Darren Waller. If you play Daniel Jones and like Isaiah Hodgins, now Isaiah Hodgins isn't even a good example because he's uh, he's expensive for no reason. Um, Darius Slayton's a good example, 5600 If you play Daniel Jones with Darius Slayton at 5600 you don't give yourself that big of a competitive advantage because Darius Slayton's going to find his way into lineups just as a salary saver alone darren waller doesn't really afford you any any uh salary relief but he does carry the highest ceiling of any of the uh giants players so uh darren waller at 7400 i really like and then matt Breda, he's fine he's fine at 7000 is very reasonable for a player who's going to play as often as he is even if he's not the most talented player in the world he's a sufficient backup he's done well anytime that he's had to um take over a, a large role in the offense so he's just going to be popular he's going to be a popular play but he's worthy of keeping into into the player pool just for the simple fact of volume it's a tough defense to 
to go against for sure. Very, very tough front seven for the 49ers. Maybe the best in the league. My money's on the Eagles. Uh, but either way, 15 touches for Matt Breda and a known receiving back. I'm comfortable keeping him in lineups. Isaiah Hodgins is someone I don't really understand why he's 6,400. Uh, I know he is a starting receiver for them for now, uh, which is something else we'll discuss. But for now, Isaiah, is a starting, Isaiah Hodgins is a starting receiver, but he has not been um, he- head and shoulders above any of the other receivers that are starting for them uh, in Paris Campbell and uh Slayton. So I don't really understand why he's 6,400, except maybe since there hasn't been anything really shown to differentiate these receivers, they just defaulted to the prices from last year because at the end of last year, Isaiah Hodgins was uh, producing well for them. But either way, I'm I'm comfortable not playing any Isaiah Hodgins. I mean, if he scores a 90-yard touchdown on a slant, Good for him, but um, 6,400 is just too much when George Kittle is 6,600 right above him, and I want to play as many 49ers as I can anyways. Uh, And 150 backs, maybe you tell yourself that story. Hey, Isaiah Hodgins is such a bad play that he's good. Unfortunately, that happens in showdown, but uh, he doesn't seem necessarily this week. Darius Slayton is someone who I would prefer to play at 5,600, and he falls in a price range where he might not be very um, heavily rostered in his own right, and he's playing the most percentage of snaps of any of the um, New York Giants wide receivers. Jalen Hyatt got this price at 5,200 just because of that really, really nice long grab that he had, and he should increase his usage going forward, especially since none of these receivers are differentiating differentiating themselves uh, whatsoever. They're all fine. I mean, none of them have really underperformed either. It's just when they brought in such a crowded wide receiver room, I feel like the plan going forward was to see which players um, were going to separate themselves and then they would be the starters. I I felt like the depth chart for the receivers for the Giants going into the season was, uh, was written in pencil. And so I do expect that to change. Paris Campbell was the big, uh, Big money's relative, but he was paid a a starter salary to come over to the Giants uh, as their third receiver. He's 4,400, which is totally fair, and he did get more volume last week, but the problem is that he has the least valuable touches of the bunch. Darius Slayton's a deep ball guy. Isaiah Hodgins is like a deep ball slash possession type of guy. Uh, Paris Campbell is got a negative 65 uh, A dot, so uh, he's He's fine at 4,400. You know, if you want to include one giant and hope he hope he catches a touchdown because he was getting that usage, but um, he's not getting the touches that make him valuable for you know 150 max or anything like that. Both kickers I like more than Paris Campbell for reference. Uh, Elijah Mitchell I wanted to touch on because there's just no way Christian McCaffrey plays 100% of the snaps for the whole season. Elijah Mitchell was getting like 10 touches last year. I remember one of my favorite things to do at the end of last season was play Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell together. And it actually worked out on two slates. So that's maybe not something that I do on this slate. But I do think that Elijah Mitchell is a nice candidate um, for for the player pool in like 150 max or just like 20 max but large field stuff because he could get a touchdown and I just do not believe that Christian Christian McCaffrey's usage is going to stay very high but he can't maintain 100% snap share throughout the season and there's no reason he should have to the last player that we're going to talk about is Sterling Shepard at 1000 and it's just because if all of these wide receivers continue to to underwhelm Sterling Shepard's might be the longest tenured giant on the roster, but 
he's definitely the longest tenured wide receiver. And the only reason I feel like his snap share has been between 20% and 15% in the first two weeks is because he's often injured and he was injured at the end of last year. So they might be trying to uh, maybe work him in slowly, but they're going to be quick to play Starling Shepard if these wide receivers continue to not produce. And in a game where they should be throwing all game, Sterling Shepard at a thousand could find himself in a position where he ends up playing uh, one of these weeks. I do think that his snap share is going to jump from 20% to 60%. And that's purely speculative, but I just do not see why they would continue to um, go with more of the same. Uh, if these wide receivers are not going to do uh, anything to separate themselves. So let's go ahead and build a, a couple lineups right here. I think we'll have time for. So this is pretty easy. Just click all the 49ers. Um, go to George Kittle. And then you'll have to come down here and save yourself some salary with something like uh, Sterling Shepard is going to be my popular punt at 1,000. You leave yourself 4,400. And that's going to give us like the kicker. The kicker would be fine in this lineup. Uh, not quite the defense. How much is the defense? 5,800. Yeah. So for the sake of getting the first one done, you could go Gano or Moody here. So I would go Moody just for the five by one. So Christian McCaffrey, Brock Purdy, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Sterling Shepard, Moody. And you can see how it would be simple to put together a 20 max that looked just like this and just switch a few guys. You would do Christian McCaffrey, Brock Purdy, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, Brock Purdy, uh, Samuel and Ayuk. You get the point. It would be very easy to just take this subset and just switch one player out, switch one player out, play the other kicker, play a different punt instead of Sterling Shepard, put Elijah Mitchell in there and then come down from somebody else. You know, that's a very simple build. And then something else that I wanted to um, touch on before we get out of here is uh, the Daniel Jones lineup that I talked about. So let's stick with Christian McCaffrey at captain, put in Daniel Jones, put in Darren Waller, skip Brock Purdy, um, put in somebody like Kittle. Um, let's get the kicker in there. So let's get Moody in there. See how much we have left. Sterling Shepard's fine. Uh, so you have Christian McCaffrey, Daniel Jones, Darren Waller, George Kittle, Moody, and Shepard. Uh, totally fine with this lineup. Three by three is not going to be as popular as it has been uh, in the past. Usually three by three is like a good 50, 60% of the builds. Uh, but this week we're going to be very, very focused on four by twos and five by one. So uh, if you're a, a, someone who's really interested in just going through by three and feeling good about your balance lineup, this is your week. So that's going to do it today for showdown uh, coverage brought to you by sharpfootballanalysis.com. Thank you all so much for, for coming out. Make sure you go use your promo code angles at sharpfootballanalysis.com and we will catch y'all next week. Thank mm -hmm. you.